0: Welcome to episode 3 of the Lost Map podcast. I'm Pictish Trail, that's not my real name, but yep, Pictish Trail here. I'm sat in my little studio up on the Isle of Egg. Um, Earlier on it was absolutely pissing rain and uh, I was thinking, oh that's the summer over. But now it's... There's been a break in the clouds, the sun's come through. I'm feeling loved up and summery again. I've got my top off. I'm very excited that Visitations... Visitations has officially started! Yes! It's been quite a long time in the making. Hopefully you're all getting to grips with it all. It's been very exciting to see... So many of you subscribe. Thank you for those of you who've subscribed. If you have subscribed, hopefully you'll have received your physical package, the vinyl, CD and artwork for the first installment. Uh, if you're a digital subscriber, you'll have hopefully been sent a postcard with a download code. All subscribers should have received a special email newsletter, which will have download links for all the music we've released so far in the project alongside some info on the artists, and uh, a discount code for for other special stuff. I'm not going to go on too much about subscription stuff just now, because I'm sure some of you will be getting sick of me jabbering on about it. But yes, it's started, it's underway, we have begun. So in the previous episode of the podcast, you'll have heard me in conversation with John B. McKenna, a.k.a. Monogonon. It was an interview that was recorded during John's stay on the island in July 2017. You've noticed I didn't really talk to him that much about the residency itself. It was more like a general chat about his life and music up to that point. I was conscious I didn't really want to talk to any of the artists about the music that they were creating on the island whilst they were here because it felt a bit too raw. I don't know... I think sometimes you need to have a bit of distance from a project in order to have any sort of perspective on it. And I didn't want to make the artist in question feel like they were overanalyzing the project there and then. Because that's really a surefire way of getting nothing done or sowing the seeds of doubt about what you've created. And uh, So, yeah... It was more just a sort of general discussion to sort of uh, document the fact that they were here. (laughs) It happened. They were here. I get very lonely on Egg. I've not really done my own podcast before. I've never interviewed anyone, certainly. So I was trying to think of themes I could carry across the entire series of the podcast. And um, I got quite hung up on... The idea of discussing the music that the artist listened to when they were a teenager. I'm not really sure why. I, <laughs> I guess it's something to do with the, when you're a teen you're, you're most emo- emotionally vulnerable, right? Or you're certainly you're most emotionally receptive. I certainly have the feelings I have about the music I listened to when I was a teenager. I've had quite a lot of resonance throughout my life and so... I think I was just interested in pinpointing that and going through that. But I, if, listening back to that previous episode, I think maybe I was a little bit over analytical. Like it was, I really seemed quite um, stuck on the age thing. What did you listen to when you were thirteen? Uh huh. What did you listen to when you were fourteen? Uh huh. What you li- when you were in your mid-teens? What you? When did you listen to The Offspring? When did you listen to The Offspring? I know you did. I got it out of him eventually. Um, So yes, I'm going to try and ease up on um, that line of questioning in future episodes. This episode that you're about to hear was recorded in the last month and it was a discussion with John on the, the actual visitations project itself almost one year on. when he participated and um, I think there's probably, there's a few things I need to discuss about it before you listen to the episode, John talks about the music he's created and uh, how he felt when he was in the cabin and uh, all that sort of stuff and there's a bit of sort of technical stuff he gets quite technical in places but I think the way that he describes his process is I'm not a very technical person and I could, I was with it and I think it, uh, hopefully it'll connect with all of you too um, yeah he's got a really interesting way of putting things it's particularly his. he used this program called Tidal Cycles to uh, sequence a lot of stuff a lot of the music that he was creating and yeah the way he describes that is really interesting so you've got that to look forward to uh, but I felt yeah I should probably point out that with this project um, I can maybe talk about this more after the episode's after the interviews happened. With this project, we uh, as soon as we got the funding, we wanted to kind of get up off the ground and go. And so um, we had a... The only remit we gave the artists was that they had to create two pieces of music that were no more than five minutes in length each. And we were going to release that music on seven-inch vinyl as a single. And... That was basically my expectations for the project. I didn't really think that people would be able to create more than two pieces of music or I don't want to put too much pressure on people creating more than that. But then as soon as the project was over and John submitted his tracks to me, um, he'd done seven songs, some of which are like over 10 minutes long. (laughs) And... He'd selected two tracks amongst those seven that could be put forward for the single. But I immediately thought, all right, you know what? I don't really want to put too much limitation on what people are creating, really. I kind of It's more exciting to see what people can kind of come up with in that week. And then when the following two artists in this series, they also... When they submitted their music, they also had created way more than what we'd originally asked... And so at that point it was just like okay, we should actually just release this uh, as much of the music as we can on twelve inch vinyl, so that people are getting a uh, more music and they're getting uh, a better maybe a better overall document of what the artist has, the artist has created in that time. And uh, but it's blown my mind, man. I, the I I couldn't believe that people could create something so quickly and so. Um, there's so much going on. It's uh with each of the releases that we've got that we've got lined up. It's brilliant. And it's really exciting, particularly to now have an archive of music that's been created on Egg. It's brilliant. So yeah, that's one main thing I wanted to let you know about before you listen to this episode, because John will talk through some of the songs that he created. Um we included four tracks of what he created on the vinyl issue of Visitations and in the accompanying CD. All seven tracks are there uh, and they're also available to download from the download code that you'll have if you've subscribed. Okay, um, if you've not subscribed, don't worry. Have a listen to this episode and let us know what you think. Um, I'll speak to you more um, after the interview's played out. So, yeah. Oh, there's one other thing you should be aware of. There's a, there's a funny noise that happens occasionally in the episode. It's um, We conducted this episode via Skype. So I was on egg. John was in Malmo, and um, so we, and we each had our own recording gear, recording each other from the uh, from our respective homes. And yeah, occasionally you can hear a special sound, and that's that's the sound of John vaping. Okay, here we go. Episode three: Interview with Monoghan.
1: Around midday He arrives And drives you to the pier The passing place The passing cars And always smile between their ears Afternoon on Tuesday Time for the first spear Straight to your head then your legs, sun goes down and
0: you're in bed. John, welcome back. Thanks. You're currently in Sweden, in Malmo. I'm on egg. Hopefully there won't be any technical problems. There's been a few technical problems with visitations. This project was meant to start <laughs> like three months, four months after you'd been up on the island. And it's taken now a year. Do you have any memories?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, straight after that was and Fling, and I don't have many memories from and Fling.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Did you have any sort of expectations going into into that week, and were they met at all, or was it completely different from what you expected?
2: I think my expectations was just to immerse myself, because it's not often that you can have uninterrupted time to make music. So I was really looking forward to just immersing myself in the in the space and just creating the whole time. And I knew there was a sort of limit of two tracks. And so I thought, OK, maybe if I make one song a day, then two of them will be OK. And that was the reason why I made more than what was expected. <laughs>
0: The tracks that are on the EP sit really well together. Yeah. But it's interesting to see how the other ones are so different. Even just reading through your the the diary entries and stuff, those are the tracks that you tend to talk more about, I guess, because they're well two of them are lyrical mm. tunes. So I suppose that's definitely gonna come into it.
2: That was something that affected me was once I'd been playing for four days then I started to think about the expectations that were on me. I thought, well, I've just been really free here and just created all this stuff, but what do people actually expect? And I guess there wasn't much lyrical things. And then I just found myself feeling that I wanted to write a really normal guitar song, almost like I wanted to write it for the island. <laughs> I think by the fifth day I was getting very emo <laughs> by that point. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just to give the listeners a bit of context, you came up. You were the first artists to take part in this project. It's not a massive space. It's, uh, Sweeney's Bothy is uh, an eco cabin in the north part of the island, and it's a it's a great working space. People tend to go up there for a week at a time as a sort of uh, artistic to retreat to work on stuff, and that's what was perfect for this project. Even though there's you know other people's houses not not too far away, it is. Very quite, it's very isolated, and particularly at night time, like the darkness, Mm. like it does everywhere in the island, just completely overwhelms that building, particularly because the one whole side of it is glass, Mm. and so you have the darkness literally facing you.
2: You know, that's quite creepy for me because when I was young, I had this really strange experience where I was sitting and making drawing a picture, I was like five years old, and I was sitting beside a window and there was a knock at the window and there was a little a little owl sitting at the window <laughs> now i've always the thing about this is like it i mean it totally terrified me and i'm sure right now that that's real and that happened but you can never know you know when you were that young in the cabin every night the, there was a barn owl that circled the cabin there was one day i came home And the owl was sitting on the porch at the front of the cabin. Oh, nice. And uh, it flew up and it flew over my head and it was like looking down at me as it flew over me. And we just like both looked at each other and it was very, it's just, it looked so intelligent. You know, it was really observing me. I don't know what it was like. It was interested.
0: I'd like to say that that's some sort of. sophisticated security <laughs> device implemented by the people of Egg just to make sure the, the visitors...
2: It's just a drone. You, know, you just had the drone watching me through the big window
0: <laughs> over the course of the week. It was on a plasma screen feed. Down, <laughs> down in the at the Kaleo. So talk a bit more about the both and what it was like being in there and, yeah, what the the different times of the day were like and the experience of being in there and recording. Was it sort of conducive? Was it a conducive space for creating music and writing music? Going
2: out was a big part of it for me. I really wanted to go a walk every day and to also take instruments out and try to do things out on the island. So I did take some synthesizers. I have this little portable synthesizer thing that I took to the beach and was playing there in recording it that's on one of the tracks i think when i think of the cabin i i kind of see it as a a workbench i guess with a beautiful view but i think more about the island and how that was conducive to creating because if the cabin was just in an industrial state then it, it, <laughs> was, it would have been different <laughs> was that a mad sheep yeah could you hear that <laughs> It sounds like he's saying mum. Mum! (laughs) Mum!
0: Mum! (laughs) Mum! So... (laughs) (laughs) Mum! I think he thinks you're its mum. Oh, no. (laughs) See, that's an aspect I didn't really think of, that the island itself would be the place that you would discover. That's great. I think that's really a perfect part of the project, being able to go out and absorb your surroundings, and then and actually create within those surroundings. Have you recorded in this way at all before?
2: Yeah, yeah. I have a field recorder. I go through periods of taking it everywhere. I like the idea of trying to actually do something musical on a walk or whatever. I always have this idea of... It's a really complicated idea to describe. And this is a bit like the idea that I have. But just when I was walking, to be walking and... I had a metronome on in the field recorder, and I was walking at the speed of the metronome yeah. and making clicks and, you know, trying to do something that's quite rhythmic, but in a completely natural surrounding. We did a lot of, like, family when we recorded that. We re- went up Glen Cole and recorded up there, like, vocals and guitar, so there's... There's reasons why some songs sound the way they do because there's wind and sound of a stream behind it.
0: Wow, that's amazing! So th- you definitely went in with that creative approach coming in to this project, and you, I, I guess maybe that was part of the appeal of it.
2: Definitely, I think when you asked me, it was like like a dream coming true.
0: So that thing with the metronome, though, were you mm. doing that? Was that uh, was, were you doing that on egg, or was that a, a, a separate time?
2: I did that on Egg, but I just didn't use it in the end. I tried to use it. I also thought about going out and recording, field recording, and then at some point looping just a certain part of it that would be rhythmic within a beat and layering up multiple field recordings into like a musical piece, but you have the full natural part at the start of the recording.
0: And it's interesting. What made you decide not to use that then in the end?
2: I think it didn't sound musical enough basically it just sounded like a guy walking (laughs) and (laughs) (laughs) clicking his fingers
0: (laughs) i'm just picturing you realizing that when you get back to (laughs) (laughs) back to sweeney's i was i wasn't that Of the tracks that we've used on the EP, we've got Visitations 1, Visitations 2, one by one, Visitations 3 and Visitations 5. These four tracks together are very electronic. There's a meeting of something that's very synthetic and, and electronic, colliding with nature, basically. Mm. Um, was that an intention going into the recordings? It's always there. In anything
2: that I do, I will always add some sort of organic element. For me, it finishes everything that I do. It glues things together. It's also quite a exciting part of when you're just throwing things, like samples at a track, and how it changes it. I find those sort of collage parts of it to be very exciting. It becomes something else as well.
0: Am I wrong in thinking that each of the tracks is for the, each different day? So they're kind of visitations one, visitations two, to seven there were consecutive pieces yeah, yeah by and large first track which is the longest one that mm-hmm. is I mean that's quite a manifesto <laughs> going. I quite like the, uh, the the sheer mindedness of it there's elements that don't change that often throughout the mm-hmm. piece and then there's elements that are constantly changing around it can you speak about that first track and about what you were feeling or what your intentions were whilst you were making it
2: yeah that was like soon as I arrived basically and set everything up and this synthesizer, the Korg Monologue, I wanted to see what it could do, basically. So I just set it up to record, and I I programmed it to play a beat that I liked, and then just started layering. I think the beat was on, and then I just recorded a few synths all at once, and just changed some things, and so it was kind of almost a bit live. I think on that song, I was trying to use elements from the cabin. I played the drums through the speakers really loud and recorded them. So the drums have the reverb of the cabin on them. There's some whooshing sounds, which I've got like the brushes from the fireplace on a contact mic through a delay pedal. It just makes these really uh, highly detailed Crackly noises. That's most of the organic sounds or things that are inside the cabin, basically.
0: See, I don't really know that much about contact mics because I've never really used them with recording or, or for live. And I've seen, I've witnessed you using them live when you've done Devon and Onset. Mm-hmm. And you're using them from recording here. And yeah, is there, what is there about that frequency? Are they quite limited in, in their frequency? Yeah, range? they're
2: really limited. It's almost like having a filter on it. So it's like a telephone basically. Like, the, mm. the te- when the telephone was invented, it, they chose exactly the frequencies that the human voice usually exists in, most prominently. Human ears is between 1 and 5 kilohertz, and I have two contact mics, and one of them is resonant at 1 kilohertz, and another one is resonant at 5, and I just find the sound that comes out of them to be amazing. <laughs> Mm. I've, I almost view it as a sort of like Sacred frequency
1: That's a sacred Frequency So, so is this
0: So, okay, so let's move on to another track then, because that one was uh, quite expansive and quite experimental, I feel. And then the second track, uh, Visitations 2, one by one, there's a lyric running through that that you adapted from one of the books of poetry that was in the cabin, but slightly changed lyrics, so they're darker in places and a bit more hopeful in others. Going into the second track, were you thinking, okay, I need to do something that's going to fit in with the first thing, or were you starting with a blank sheet?
2: When I did the first one i I probably did it for about half an hour or an hour, and then also working on it afterwards and deciding this ten minutes' I'm gonna use that part, and you know editing it is quite an exhausting track, you know <laughs> to listen to it and edit it that first one, so I think the second one I really went into it with the idea of making something quite. Beautiful and something that I would enjoy to work on basically. One by
1: one the suns are flowing one by one the moments fall. Some are coming, some are going. Do not strive to grasp them all. One by
2: one is this programming language called tidal cycles. I think I just decided I wanted to do something in in seven time signature. And this is why I started using Tidal Cycles, because I've been looking for a sequencer that can do odd time signatures and polymeters and polyrhythms. I just find it so creative, because odd time signatures are sort of above my technical ability, whereas now I have a program that is very visual and basic to do the the things that I want to do.
0: But you're using it almost... The way you're describing it is that you're using almost like an instrument.
2: I'm using it as a sequencer, but also... Mm. So I'll be programming MIDI through it. I'll make arpeggios, and, but I'll also program the drums. And it's got functions for making what are called Euclidean rhythms. And... Yeah, it's all of all of Western and world and Eastern music. All the rhythms fit into these uh, Euclidean functions, and it allows you to just type two numbers, and it creates like a a rhythm out of a ratio, basically. And it's the rhythms that we are most popular in all musics. It actually leads you down a, a fucking mad rabbit hole <laughs> when you realise. The mathematics and ratios that build up music. I've seen something recently that blew my mind. (laughs) that If you speed up polyrhythms, then they become a full chord.
0: So if you speed up the polyrhythms of it, I'm trying to break it down so I can kind of understand it more, because I am technically... (laughs) Do you know like (laughs) in
2: in an Aphex Twin song, when it's like a really fast drum beat, and it's going like... And then he speeds up the beat. And he speeds it up so much that it becomes a tone. Oh, yeah. So a polyrhythm basically does that. But instead of just one tone, it becomes a full chord. Wow. So like, see the drum beat, like, you know, like a classic drum beat. When you speed it up, it becomes like a major chord.
0: Because so the individual beats kind of act once they're speeded up, they act like individual notes that then together. Yeah,
2: they they're separated by a certain amount of ratio that also interacts with how things, with harmony and how tones are created, the same mm. ratios and, yeah, it's blown my own mind by learning this things. <laughs> I basically, I just want to do odd time signatures. <laughs> <laughs> alright so you've not been using it for
0: this polyrhythmic chord function yet
2: I add some of that stuff in but I don't explore the boundaries that other people explore
0: you're one of those tidal cycle safe artists
2: I'm like the Banksy of tidal tidal cycles
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say something much more mean like the Travis or the the Cole playoff
2: (laughs) (laughs) I think that would be quite appropriate to be honest
0: (laughs) Have you done something... Have you been in a situation where you've cut yourself off and immersed yourself in music for this long stretch of time? No,
2: never. I don't think I've ever had that amount of time to work on something completely focused like that.
0: Did it have an effect on your creative process? And has it had an effect on your creative process since the project? Has yeah, the... Yeah. Actually, has it, changed?
2: Yeah, it had a huge effect on me because... When I came back, I just felt like I'm gonna save all my energy up for when I have long periods of time. I think before I've been trying to cram in making music into spare hours that I have, or you know, a day off. There was something about spending that week there that I really felt the value of of kind of saving that energy for a time when you can just dedicate yourself to it. It just mm. makes for better music instead of be in it having any stress or or just doing it well Oh, maybe it's okay doing it while you're doing the hoovering as well ah, who cares
0: <laughs> I think that's I mean something I've definitely thought about a lot writing and recording and and trying to or, or doing anything creative within an allocated period of time is always more productive than going you know trying to do something on a whim or trying to squeeze something in in a sort mm-hmm. of spare hour here and there. Sometimes when I try to put aside time in a day to go, oh, I'll, I'll try and nip into the studio and work, you know, expand that idea I've had in my head all day. When I don't do it, the guilt is a bit overwhelming and I, mm-hmm. that kind of carries over into the next few days and kind of puts me off wanting to record. I kind of have to wait for a special moment. Oh no, well, no, I'll, just, I'll wait for a special moment or I'll wait till there is enough time for me to do it and I kind of keep mm-hmm. I keep putting off and off whereas when there is a sort of allocated space of time even if it's just an afternoon or if it's like a few days together it just removes Mm. the guilt of that feeling of thinking you should be doing something when you're not doing it Having had a back catalogue of music as monogamon there's always an element where that's going to inform future recordings the stuff that you've done in the past
2: I think that's what happened on like by day four Is that I created some things which were very electronic, and then I just suddenly, after doing a lot of this, started to feel like what was expected of me. And I guess I I like to, when I make things, I like to gauge what I think about it by showing it to other people. (laughs) Mm. So even like when I've worked on something and I, oh, that that maybe is a good idea, and send it to Andrew. And immediately as I press send, I already know how I feel about it just from the act of having shared it with somebody else, you know?
0: But there was no internet connection, of course, on egg, and so Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or certainly where you were. Uh and so you were having to rely on your own judgment and you felt the pressure of oh shit, maybe I should be doing something that's more lyrical or more more conventionally singer songwritery at yeah, that point.
2: I think the there was some mad thing that happened where I felt almost like uh, like I owed something to the island. And I was like, I couldn't... <laughs> like, the, the stuff I was making, if I had it up really loud, suddenly I became aware that I was in this island and there was people living here. And what do they think when they go past or down the road and they hear from the cabin just
1: like...
2: <laughs> and... <laughs> I think all these things just like seeped in somehow. And then like the desire to be like, I'm going to write a classic Bob Dylan song (laughs) happened on like
0: day four. That seems normal to me though, that you'd feel that and and you'd want to almost purge that element in some way.
2: That's definitely how it feels for me. Like uh, Definitely getting it out. And I think after I'd made that, it felt really like, I'm glad that's out of the way. Now I can go back to doing my electronic things that I was yeah. enjoying doing.
0: <laughs> I mean, what's great about your project is that there is a definite insight into each day that you were there. Mm-hmm. And that is actually quite original to to your approach to the, to the project in general. But it's, it's really great. And I think that's what I'm really interested with in this project is how people are approaching... Their their methods and what pressures they did feel to themselves and to the project and and it sounds like to the island as well. You said you felt a sort of, sort of pressure or something. Yeah, you had to. I add felt, a, an ode to the island.
2: I felt like I owed it. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> felt like I owed
2: it to the island to to make something that would get played there in the Kayleigh Hall.
0: <laughs> but well, never know.
2: By the old the old man inside of me. <laughs>
1: Do things ever happen Or is this all a memory Is there such thing as silence Are we ever alone The sun set twice tonight
0: One thing we didn't really talk about is your move to Sweden. Yeah, we sort of talked about when it happened, but and and to some extent why it happened. But like, um, I'm interested in what effect it's had on you since moving to Malmo, because Glasgow is quite a is a very busy musical city mm. and Malmo is quite different. I'm interested in if there's an element of recontextualising who you are as a an artist and a performer, what's changed since moving there, and if you feel that environment and location can affect who you are as an artist and how you identify as an artist.
2: Yeah, I think when I first moved I think I thought it wasn't so far away. And i just seen it as like if I was to move to London or Berlin or somewhere and I had this real desire to extricate myself from uh, Britain. I felt like it was something I needed to do. Mm. Uh, And then once I settled in in Malmö, I realised that there's something I quite enjoy about being in an alien place and also being alien myself. I had very romantic ideas about being in a foreign place and it's it's very strange to explain because now I've lived here almost seven years and it's not very foreign anymore mm. and so it's only now that I can realise how, how drastic a move it is, you know, to realise like, whoa, how did how did I end up here? I'm from Kerluk, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, but I still definitely find that appeal of being alien and being somewhere that's alien to me. I guess I've, it's something I've always felt inside of me, a sort of alienated feeling. And mm. in, in some way it embodies that by me being here.
0: Was there an element of feeling that on Egg? Um, no. <laughs> Actually, oh. it's interesting because okay, one of the other acts who I won't name sort of mentioned this feeling of feeling like aliens arriving on Egg when they were here, and they'd written music about it. Initially, that's why I kind of stuck with the name Visitations for the mm. project. <laughs> Because I thought of like alien sort of landings, beings coming from different places and <laughs> existing. And uh... I I thought about aliens a lot.
2: Like, oh, really? Like the reason why I mentioned this owl when I was a child. <laughs> oh yeah. Like this feeling of being beside that window. All those feelings came back from when I was a child, and this kind of weird trauma nightmare happened. And. That I think that affected me so much in my life that I had something happen that I couldn't explain to anybody. I remember even as it was happening that I couldn't speak. I, couldn't, I wanted to scream, but I couldn't scream. And then I just went and sat beside my dad and just stayed quiet and watched football with him. And while I was in the cabin, it was, as it got dark, the big window was there, and I'm sitting there working on something. It was like an exact replica of this... Situation that happened as a child. And then there was an actual owl flying around outside. <laughs> so every, every time I went out to the bathroom, I got these intense feelings of, you know, that kind of weird fear that you get when you're a child where something just grabs you, you know? Yeah. You, you're in the dark and then a big arm comes out and just grabs you and takes you to anywhere, you know? <laughs> and... I read up on it afterwards and apparently that's that's how death anxiety expresses itself in children. So the arm coming up through the stairs and grabbing your leg, you know, the reason children run up the stairs very fast. It's like an expression of death anxiety,
0: you know. Oh my gosh.
2: I think it's like the unknown, the ultimate unknown. I guess when we're adults, we are aware of so many more unknowns that those irrational ones don't have as much effect but they did have an effect on me when I was in the cabin at night I mm. got those feelings again so that's probably an alienation that I fe- felt but it was mostly at nighttime when I was alone
0: Have you spoken to your dad about it? Uh,
2: they they know about like they know about this thing that I talked about but the thing is I also said to them at some point that I seen Santa Claus and (laughs) I lied so convincingly about it that my mum almost believed me that somebody had been out in the back garden oh my god so I don't think they're going to believe my owl story (laughs) somehow
0: well they might be tuning in you never know they might be listening (laughs) so there we go that was Monogonon. Ah, so nice to hear his voice I hope you've enjoyed these past two episodes with John B. He's a good dude, isn't he? If you're new to him, then hopefully it's been a nice introduction to what he does and has maybe made you seek out some of his other music, the stuff he made before visitations. I've been a fan of his stuff for years and I have to say I got a lot out of these conversations with him. He's such a thoughtful guy and yeah, it's weird we didn't really talk about it, uh, but in between that first interview and the interview you just heard, both John B and I went on a tour together around the UK uh, last November, December. Quite an epic tour. Um, it was the third full-length proper tour I've done with John, I think. And he's a—he's uh, so good to tour with. He played in my band on the last tour, and his guitar playing's excellent. His keyboard playing is really inventive. I love singing with him. His harmonies are great, and he's just—he's a, a really good person to tour with. In so far as like he can drive, he doesn't snore. Uh, he's got a really interesting taste in music. We can chat for ages. He loves drinking beer. It all makes for a very relaxing touring experience, which is yeah essential really. He's been such a big influence on my music, not just stylistically but also just how I think about music and how we run run things at Lost Map. We've had a lot of fun Skype conversations, quite long Skype conversations, coming up with mad ideas on how to release things and uh, yeah, I love all that. He's made a big impact on this project specifically Specifically. too, not just because he was the first person but like I was saying earlier, he really immersed himself into the week's recording and provided us with so much material it went beyond what we expected and then just provided the perfect benchmark for the rest of the series and even beyond that while he was actually on the island John made a suggestion for who the next act in the project should be and I emailed that act and they agreed almost immediately it was really exciting so yeah John's really had quite an influence on this project <laughs> Uh I hope you're enjoying the whole thing so far. If you've got any feedback or questions, please feel free to pop us an email to Johnny at lostmap.com. That's Johnny uh Johnny <laughs> Johnny It's Johnny spelled J-O-H-N-N-Y. It's the proper spelling of Johnny. Johnny. I don't know if uh <laughs> If you'd, if you'd if you'd like to hear any of the music that's been created for this project in full uh, or if you or even if you'd just like to support the podcast then please please do, do please do just subscribe to visitations you can go to lostmap.com forward slash visitations Uh, There you can choose to pay for a digital subscription which costs only £20 and entitles you to a download code for all the audio and visual material like the photographs and diary entries for each of the artists in the series Uh, or you can choose to pay for the physical subscription which is £33 plus postage and which gets you the vinyl, the CD, the lovely artwork, all the nice stuff along with all the download codes and everything for each of the artists involved. So there's three artists involved in this first series. And uh, so, yeah, three bits of vinyl, three CDs and all that sort of stuff. And uh, you're basically, yeah, it's basically for the physical thing, it's like 11 quid per act for that bundle, which I think is a really good value. Big thank you to Creative Scotland, who helped support this project with lottery funding. They've made this first series possible, basically. uh, Without their help, we wouldn't be able to get off the ground and it's all the subscription money that we're getting in for this current series that is now being ploughed into series two. So, yeah, every subscription counts. Thank you to Lucy Conway and to Bobby Niven from The Bothy Project for use of Sweeney's Bothy. Did I say that right? The Bothy Project? Arr. Thank you also to Joe Cormack, who is listening to this before anyone else. Because he is editing and pretty much producing this episode. Thank you, Joe, for your lovely jingles. Joe did the jingles. He's probably made me sound like an arse. Like an arse. Johnny, me. <laughs> made me sound like an arse. <laughs> Sorry, that's for all the Limmy fans out there, which I've just ruined. Uh, I'll leave you now with one final track from... Uh, Monogonon's Visitations experience this might it might not be the full thing but this is the track called Visitations 2 one by one and uh, yeah I hope you enjoy next time I'm not sure when the next time will be it'll be soon the next time will be a time when we'll be talking about the next act in the series I think so who will that be hmm okay I love you goodbye